Another perfect landing. And we're back in the library! Feels good not to be in an enclosed space this time, with a wall slowly attempting to crush us. I don't think walls have sentience like that. Now, that wall had it out for me. Look, there's a big open space over there. (laughs) Oh. That's a big stack of books. Nothing's happening. Maybe there's a specific book we need. Hmm. Ah, bingo. What? Up on top of the pile, there's a book sitting in a beam of light. And if video games have taught me anything, it is that a beam of light equals a quest. How are we going to get up there? Climb, I suppose. It might take a minute. My upper body strength is, um, lacking. That's okay. Mine is too, but I think I can do it. Though I haven't climbed anything since I was a kid. Hey, do you smell that? Fuck! Oh dear, Shadow is back. Hi, Shadow! I don't think it knows about the name you gave it. What's wrong with Shadow's eyes? I don't know, but that sickly color is disgusting. Did you hear that? Barely. It was pretty clear to me. You hear things better here than I do. We aren't intruders. Please, we are just here to... Madeline? Yeah? One of us has to get that book. I can keep it distracted. You climb up and get it. I am not leaving you alone. We have to get the book. It's the only way to escape. Fine, okay. Hey there. Hey, hey. (laughs) Nope, don't look at her. Look at me. Hi. Yes. Oh, you are scary. Sorry. I didn't mean that. I'm sure you are very nice deep down. Deep. Deep down. How's it going up there? Halfway there. A sword. If I can just... Oh, you don't like that. It's okay. It's okay. I I just need to make sure you don't kill and eat me. Madeline! I'm climbing as fast as I can. Madeline! Almost there. I just... You got it! Jenny! Jenny! Oh no! No, 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 no! Jenny! Oh god, there's so much blood! I killed it! Jenny! Oh! Oh, thank god, are you okay? Are you hurt? I killed it! Good thing, too! It was about to eat you! Hey! Hey! It's okay. You had to. You had to kill it. Back up. It's still alive. It's not alive. That's its true form. It was just a Grim. I killed a Grim. I killed Shadow. I've never killed anything. Listen to me. There was something wrong with it. It wasn't in its right state. You had to. There was no other way. Shadow. Look, I got the book. Jenny, I'm so sorry. I've got you. I'm really cold. Hey, hey, I think we should leave. Leave? Yeah, I'm not trying to rush you, but I don't think staying here with... I don't think staying here is good for you. Good for me? Yeah, come on. I've got you. Okay. There we go. Come on.
cliff met sea, and the forest brimmed with life. A great kingdom was built many eons ago. The kingdom was vast, with villages near and far paying homage to their ruler, for their ruler could quell wars with a word and settle disputes between farmers and noblemen alike. But as the years came and went, the ruler found herself most unhappy. There was prosperity through the land, food, safety, and contentment in every village. And yet, the ruler was alone. There was none to share her kingdom, to share her joys, her pain, and none to pass it on to. To cure her loneliness, the ruler called on the best-known wise women in the kingdom. Taraji, who brought forth hope. Amari, who brought forth love. And Amani, who brought forth faith. Good day, Your Excellency. How may we assist you? My dear wise women, I am so lonely these days. The kingdom is prosperous and happy, but I have no one to love that I can share it with. Can you help me? Yes, Your Majesty. And uh, no. No? We do possess magic, but it has limits. We help people get what they need, but not always what they want. I need a companion. Your Excellency, love is coming your way, we promise, but you need to be patient. Five years hence, when you least expect it, you will meet the one with whom you will live out the rest of your days. But I, I have done so much for so many. I deserve this now. Love is not a prize, dear ruler. It is a gift. We are sorry, but it's just not time for you to receive it. Realizing that there was no changing of this result, the ruler accepted the wise women's words and sent them on their way. The ruler was furious. Did she not deserve a happiness of her own? The wise women had told her to wait, that her beloved was coming. But patience was required. Patience the ruler did not have. But she did have an idea. For there was another wise woman who was known to sell her gifts for a price. No one knew from whence her power flowed, but she was strong, cunning, and relentless. Her price was steep but her results were undeniable. Against the pleads of her counsel, the ruler called this wise woman forth to the castle. She was called Magna, for she was great in all forms. 
the most powerful wise woman in the known kingdom, and the most feared. I am honored to be summoned, Your Grace. Your acceptance of my invitation is most appreciated. Now that the pleasantries are out of the way, how may I be of assistance to one such as yourself? I... I'm in need of an heir, and a companion. It seems in the fight for my kingdom, I forgot to look after myself. Oh, how distressing to have everything and still be in need. You understand. So few do. It is one of my gifts. So you wish to fall in love? Perhaps have a baby? A family? It is the true desire of my heart. Then it shall be granted. For a price. Anything. I'll hold you to that. Simply take my hand, and the deal will be done. The ruler clasped Magna's hand. Magna disappeared, <laughs> leaving a beautiful young woman in her wake. Magna? No, I'm Ava. Where am I? The palace. I am the ruler of this land. You are welcome to stay here. And stay she did, for she had nowhere else to go. So it was that within a month, Ava and the ruler were married. One year later, they were blessed with a child. At Ava's insistence, the child was called Briar Rose. After her home, Rose Briar, the quiet village that she still longed for. To celebrate the birth of Briar Rose, the ruler announced a great feast with the finest food and drink. She invited the three wise women, Taraji, Amari, and Amani. One by one, the three wise women came forth to bestow their gifts to the young child. Dear child, I offer you the gift of strength of mind, body, and spirit. Sweet princess, I give you the gift of kindness. Kindness to yourself, kindness to others, and kindness to the world. Oh, dear one, I... Wrapped in a black cloud of smoke, Magna appeared. She landed in the middle of the great assembly and pointed an accusing finger at the ruler. How dare you! Lady Magna! Silence! I grant you your heart's desire and this is how you repay me. Please don't be insulted. I have been denied the fruits of my labor. Of course I am insulted. But no matter. We never settled on the matter of payment. 
You did offer me anything. Panic filled the chamber, and all in attendance wondered what could she possibly want? Gold. Jewels. The entire kingdom. The ruler stood fast and stepped forward facing the mighty sorceress. I did. What is your wish? I want the child. You cannot have her. Tarahi, Amari, and Amani stood protectively between Magna and the infant Briar Rose. My price is fair, small one. You cannot take a baby from those that love her. Magna stared at Amari and seemed to consider her for a moment. Slowly, Magna's great rage seemed to cool. You are correct. A baby would be of no use to me. Thank you, great Magna. But before the sun sets on her 16th birthday, she will prick her finger on the spindle of a spinning wheel and become my servant or die! Guards, seize her! But before anyone could move a step, Magna disappeared in a cloud of smoke. Uh, no! Is there anything you can do? Very little, your majesty. For you did not heed our warnings. My poor child. But I can help. I still haven't given my gift. Dear one, if this tragedy should come to pass, this ray of hope you may hold fast, that death will not be your fate but a deep sleep you shall take, and you shall awaken from this state in the spirit of true love's embrace. But the ruler was not satisfied with Taraji's incantation and demanded that all spinning wheels in the kingdom be burned. She vowed to set everything right and to protect her daughter at all costs. Consumed by her drive, The ruler ignored all of her other duties and spent every waking moment with the child. Until finally, the wise women appeared again. Please forgive us, but we must speak with you. Come forward. We have studied our books and incantations for more information about the deal you made with Magna. And? In order to set things right, you must sacrifice what you have gained. It will not undo the spell, but it will weaken it, and give Briar Rose a better chance at combating this curse. What do you mean, sacrifice? Ava must return to her village. And the child? We believe it will be best if she stays with us for protection. My child? My queen? No. You must have faith, your majesty, that they will return to you in due time. You cannot control true love. You can only be open to let it find you. The ruler agreed with the wise women, for she had learned to listen to their counsel. She called Queen Ava to her chamber where Briar Rose slept. The ruler wished to hold her family one last time before they were parted. Sweet Ava, I am so sorry. I was selfish. I wanted to love someone so much that I didn't let you find your way on your own. I thought that being your friend long enough would make you love me. But 
that's not the same, is it? It's not. But thank you. My child is beautiful and this has been a good home. But I do miss my people. Ava reached over and touched the baby's forehead. And I will miss her so. I will too. Whenever you're ready, you can come back to me. And the wise women will return Briar Rose to us on her 16th birthday. The royal family held each other tightly until it was time to go their separate ways. Upon returning home, Ava quickly removed her royal attire and put on the garments of the farm girl she once was. She tilled the soil with her mother, cooked with her father, and told them stories about life in the palace. Sometimes, she missed the ruler's presence, and she always missed her daughter. But at night, she would sing as if her baby girl could hear her. And unknown to her, the baby sang back in gargles and laughs, but soon those sounds would become a tune a tune that the three wise women would come to know very well. I'm glad that the ruler agreed with us, but where do you think the best place to hide the child would be? Perhaps the old hunter's cottage in the forest. No, absolutely not. Why? Taraji's spell said that true love will break the curse. How is she supposed to find true love if she doesn't know anyone and is alone in the forest? Good point. The town. No. Too many people there. How are we supposed to watch her so she doesn't prick her finger? And we still need to hide from Magna. So we need a place with some people, but not a lot of people. Where we can hide, but use our magic if we need to. In a place where a young woman of exceptional strength, character, and beauty won't stand out. I've got it. The circus. The circus. Extraordinary people, close-knit community, but always on the move so individuals are hard to find, and we can live by different names. The circus. And so it was that the three wise women and the royal baby joined the circus. While they were there, they called the baby Rosa for both her safety and so that when she learned of her true identity, her name would not be very different. As young Rosa grew, she became beloved by the entire circus community, for she was kind to everyone and helped wherever she could. She, also like her royal mother before her, seem to be able to settle arguments and disputes, whether it be from the circus folk or with the village elders in the towns they visited. And finally, the strength of her body, mind, and spirit made her a fantastic, if not mischievous, acrobat. We shouldn't be here, Rosa. I didn't ask you to come. Someone needs to time you as you go through the obstacle course. And your aunts would be so mad at me if I let you do this alone. I just want to do a small solo act. Is that too much to ask? You think they'll let you do it if you complete this course successfully? If I perfect it, they might. 
I want to have the fastest time ever with perfect technique. But I need to practice, so... Fine. Three, two, one... Rosa, go. Lilac, what are you two doing here? Uh... It's not her fault, Auntie Mani. I asked her to time me. Rosa, don't. Lilac, go home. But Rosa didn't... Go. Yes, ma'am. Now, what have we always told you about lying? But, Auntie Mani... Rosa. Even when you're trying to help, lying is not a good thing. What's going on here? I caught Rosa trying to do the acrobat's obstacle course. Rosa! What? I'm almost 16 years old. I'm the best acrobat here, and you three won't give me a chance. Sweetheart. No! It's almost time to tell her the truth. How long have you been there? Long enough. She's going to be so mad. We've done what we can to prepare her. She speaks to everyone, is helpful. She will be a fantastic ruler. But what if she doesn't want it? That's a problem for tomorrow. Let's get some sleep. While Rosa was friends with everyone, she had two best friends in the whole circus. Lilac and Nazim, the sword swallower's son. They were a tight-knit trio that played every day and explored together whenever they went into a new village. Their troop had traveled to the remote village of Rose Briar and were resting before their opening performance in a week. In the lull of this time, Lilac, who felt bad about what happened with the obstacle course, came up with a plan. Psst. Rosa, why are you whispering? I have an idea. Why don't we go into town and put on our own show? What? You, me, and Nazim go into town, we perform, and if the townsfolk like it, maybe your aunts will let you do an act with us, if they don't want you to do it solo. That might work. So the trio set off to the town square. Unbeknownst to the rest of the troupe, they performed for three nights in a row, attracting larger and larger crowds each time. But they never knew about the dangers that still threatened Briar Rose's life, or that Magna had never given up her search for her. In her stronghold, she had servants and spies that worked for her day and night. They continually looked for Briar Rose throughout the land. They were determined to serve Magna's will and find the royal child that had eluded Magna for so long. Where could that royal brat be? They couldn't have taken her far. Uh, we've searched everywhere, Lady Magna. The town, the mountains, the villages, the farms, the forest? Uh, everywhere. It's like she, uh, disappeared? Disappeared? She's mortal. Oh, but mortals can do incredible things. Like this circus act I saw last week. The mortals seem to fly through the air. I've never seen anything so beautiful. <sighs> How dare you not serve my will? Uh, no, 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 great Magna. Uh, we were looking in the town of Rose Briar. There was a performance on the street. She, she talked to us afterwards, said she didn't know anything. She was really kind. 
The Rose Briar, you say? Uh, yes, great one. Show me. Suddenly, Magna transformed her body into that of a simple peasant woman. Then she grabbed the servant's hand and they disappeared in a plume of black smoke. They reappeared right on the edge of town, just as Rosa, Lilac, and Nazim were finishing up their final trick of the evening. And now, for our last act, the one and only Rosa will perform acrobatic stunts that will dazzle and amaze. I swear, you have never seen the flips, leaps, and jumps that she can perform, and you might never see them again. Rosa leapt over, under, and through the crowd. She did backflips in the town square, leapt onto a monument, and even balanced on the tip-top of the church roof. Everyone was fascinated by what she had done and the entire show that the three of them had performed. And Magna looked at Rosa with keen interest. The grace, beauty, and strength of the performer was supernatural. She knew that only a gift from the wise women could make a mortal move like that. She had found her briar rose, the prey that had escaped her for so long, and now she was ready to lay her trap. Feminist Fairy Tales, an audio drama podcast that reimagines the genre of fairy tales through a feminist lens. This episode was performed by Cassandra Gallegos, Sarah Palmero, Ariana Abraham, Joy Hennis, Katrina Piscina, Gabriela Martinez, and Levi Squire. Episode script by Letitia Jones. Sound design by Patrick Mullen. Feminist Fairy Tales is produced by Jenny Bissell, Madeline Regina, and Emma Love. Theme music composed and produced by Juliana Marin.
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.